Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and this is the Sower's Seat Pod Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different than some of the usual ones. I... I had a a number of different thoughts kind of running through my head that seemed to be fairly interrelated. So I wanted to talk kind of, I guess, roundabout a little bit. Uh, The first thing I kind of wanted to point out, we, in the event that you hadn't noticed, we are in some really crazy times right now. And for the most part, we're spending a lot more time sequestered at home uh, even with these uh, easings of restrictions and that kind of thing, and the fact is, and let's let's just be honest here, the fact is that as we're reopening, uh, we're seeing more and more cases of COVID-19 infections. Uh, I'm not going to get into where the numbers are coming from or what the causes might be. The point that I want to make is that As the numbers increase, regardless of what the reasons are, we run the risk as a society of having a secondary knee-jerk reaction and locking everything down again. And as we recover from the first lockdown, as we face a second lockdown, some things had kind of occurred to me, and and it's, it's kind of... To me, it's really important that we bring these things up and and kind of face them, not just as civilized human beings, but specifically as Christians as well. Because it's really easy. If you're married and you've spent too much time locked at home with your, your significant other... You know that while, yes, this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, the reality of the situation is that that kind of enforced um, proximity to one another is going to lead to strife. And it's it's not even whether or not you know you love your spouse or you guys can get through anything. It doesn't change the fact that there is going to more than likely become a point at which just the sound of that person breathing is going to be enough to make things uncomfortable. Okay, So, one, I want you to understand that if that's you, you're not alone. Okay, It, it is part of our are uh, kind of our, part of our makeup that just this kind of enforced enclosure tends to make people stir-crazy and irritable, okay? In addition to that, it's really easy for us to let that kind of I don't want to say bleed over because that is, while it is something of a bleed over, it's also, I guess, kind of a carryover. It's easy once you reach a state of aggravation. It's it's really easy to keep that state of aggravation going forward. So, 
to give you an example, you, you get up in the morning and the coffee pot, for whatever reason, wasn't set. And so you're angry that you have to wait for your coffee, which nobody blames you. But now you're already irritated. And your kid gets up and wants to start whining about whatever it may be, uh, further adding to the aggravation. And then your wife comes out and she simply says, hey, why isn't the coffee ready? And she's not trying to be accusatory. It was a simple and, and reasonable question. But it just gets you cranked. And then you get to work, and you're already at this heightened state of, and your coworker says, good morning, and the first thing out of your mouth is, yeah, don't you wish. See, so this, this heightened state of aggravation has a tendency to continue to feed on itself. And obviously, there's there's only one way to really combat that. And regardless of your uh, religious faith or beliefs or distinct lack thereof, anybody who is a reasonable, peace-loving person would agree that that's not an appropriate state to be in at all times. It's going to create stress in your life. It's going to uh, create negative repercussions within your body. I mean, again, this is proved by science. So what do we do? There is no simple one-size-fits-all answer. And I understand from personal experience that some of what I'm going to say today is going to sound like platitudes. And I assure you it's not meant to. I'm truly trying to bring a different perspective or perhaps just remind you of a rather biblical perspective that you might have overlooked or have forgotten or have a hard time remembering, I guess would be a better way to put it. Because, folks, even the quote-unquote best Christians are not perfect. As I've said a thousand times before, my, my goal and my objective in these podcasts is to help you apply Scripture to real life. And sometimes that's not nearly as much uh, providing insight into what Scripture might mean and therefore how to apply it to your life. Sometimes we just need a gentle reminder that God's in control and he's got this, but that also the Bible has some very specific guidelines on how we are supposed to act as Christians. And so to begin with, I kind of wanted to start with, um, there's a few variations on a very famous quote floating around out there. And I acknowledge that it's more than likely that the initial quote stems back to Proverbs.
where Solomon points out that, you know, basically, even an idiot seems wise if he keeps his trap shut. Okay? Um, I'm sure growing up that, you know, you've heard the, the old phrase, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And believe me when I say, that is very sage advice. Because the reality is, one, nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer. Two, piddling in somebody else's Cheerios is not going to make your day better. It's only going to make their day worse and provide ultimately more fuel to your fire. So don't do it. But the quote has often, the, the main quote itself, has been attributed to a number of different sources, uh, Abraham Lincoln or uh, Mark Twain. Um, there's been some other authors that have penned something similar. But the upshot of it is that it's better to remain silent and to be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Why that popped into my mind in regard to this topic, I'm not entirely sure, except to say that in much the same way that we have a tendency to uh, spread our bad mood, and sometimes, look, sometimes it's just a matter of being in a bad mood. It's not even like you've got to say anything to anybody. You just pick up on it. But what I'm getting at is sometimes it really is best to just keep your mouth shut. And I know that, you know, look, if you're an even halfway rational reasoning adult, you know this. But let's be honest, folks. How many of us use this as a daily guideline? How many times have you been on social media and you'll see somebody post something that is so incredibly asinine to your way of thinking that you immediately hit that comment button and you're getting ready to explain to them where they are wrong And at some point, hopefully, it occurs to you that, you know what, this might not be helpful. Maybe this is not the time to be chastising somebody. Perhaps this is a better time to be keeping my mouth shut. So what is then the biblical application here? Well, so the first thing is, In this uncertain time, we need to keep control of ourselves. Because the first thing is, keep in mind, and, and there's just no getting around this, folks. We are all sinners. In addition to that, and I'm not just talking... In, in a godly respect, which, I mean, obviously that's the main thrust of this, but even from a secular standpoint, we all make mistakes, is the, uh, the, the secular phrase, is, is we all make mistakes. And it's true. We, 
we we all make mistakes. We're all sinners. We all screw up. We all say and do things that we didn't mean to or or didn't want to or that just, you know, look, I really wanted to get this off my chest, but it's not going to be helpful, okay? So the point of the matter is that when we when we open our mouths without thinking, particularly as Christians, we really open ourselves up. And, and let me give you one of the more... Um, oh, golly. I'm not even sure what I'm looking for here. And I apologize that I'm a little bit scattered here. But what I'm getting at is, in, the, in these rough times, we need to be building each other up, not tearing each other down. And I know that, you know, as, as Christians, we're called to... Uh, to admonish and correct and direct one another, but we're called to do so in in a spirit of love. And from a practical standpoint, I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, there's the old adage that you can collect more flies with honey than with vinegar, we are called to do everything as Christians in love. And when it comes to admonishing others, this is a more than important perspective to maintain because oftentimes when we want to uh, to admonish somebody else we have a really bad habit of forgetting that that's something that we are also doing or if not that particular sin then it's this one over here and so the first thing is, I want to remind you that, again, Jesus reminds us not to be hypocritical about this. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the phrase from Matthew 7, 5. Uh, you hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The point is that in order to be... Uh, to be helpful, to be uplifting, you have to be able to see your own problems clearly. And, and keep in mind, it's not just that Jesus is saying that you, know, you need to fix you before you can fix somebody else, because we're not doing it. We're not trying to fix anybody. We're trying to lift them up. We're trying to encourage them. And sometimes that means pointing out where somebody is wrong, because it, again, is our job as Christians to admonish one another in love. Um, in fact, uh, uh, Paul, in, his, uh, in, the, in the closing chapter of his letter to the church at Galatia, he starts chapter 6 by saying, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, I want to pause right there and point out that the, the, the usage there is not you need to correct him, not you need to tell him what he's doing wrong, not you need to rub his nose in it, but you need to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So you don't come and jump down somebody's throat and tell them, hey, look, you need to stop doing this. I understand there comes a point at which you need to do that, and Timothy covers that later. What I'm getting at is 
If you have a brother that is transgressing, number one, remember that when you point at him, you've got three more fingers pointed back at yourself. So be very gentle about the way you approach this because you don't want to appear to be a hypocrite. You don't want to be judgmental. That's not your job. Your job is to help restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And and that doesn't just apply to sin that that uh, applies to any aspect we're trying to 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 uplift or to support or prop up another believer because especially now it's really easy for us to lose sight of the big picture when all we've got in front of us is the tree okay so he goes on to say keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted now, a couple of different ways to look at that. Obviously, there's the idea that you know if you associate with sinners, you're going to start uh, you run the risk of of being drawn into their their world, their sin. Um, but more so, I think this is again a reminder that you you are a broken, flawed individual yourself, and if you're not careful, it's really easy to get pulled into the problems of other sinners. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Remember, the law of Christ is to love your neighbor. Remember that. And and, and to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. These the, the the way to be able to do that is to bear the burdens of another. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And that, for me, is is kind of the the defining verse that that wraps that whole thing together into this particular tirade. Is that it's not just about being right. It's not that you are coming to somebody and you are explaining to them how they are wrong and how they can do things differently. And, you know, and if you follow my example, which we should be living a life that can be used as an example, but the point that we're getting at here is, you know, look, I, I don't. I, Gordon, I do not live a life that should be used as an example. I try to. I try to every day, and I know that I fall short, and I know that my kids are sitting here listening to this and nodding their heads going, yeah, yeah, no, sometimes dad uh, just, yeah, hmm, boy, howdy. <laughs> and and they should be, because I, I do not live a life above reproach. And so when, I, when I'm looking to lift somebody up, The last thing I want is to do so in such a way that's going to call my shortcomings into focus. Now, that's not to say that I shouldn't be working on, on my weak spots. That's, that's not the point. The point is that if you're going to be helping somebody else, you need to be helping somebody else as opposed to 
bringing some sort of of pain, additional pain, into their lives. I, I think truly, I, I think um, the the best way to describe, or, or I should say, to underpin that comes out of First Thessalonians chapter 5. If you look in, in verse 11, you'll see that Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Referring to the church specifically on that last segment. But the point is, we can't not build people up. We're going to be very ineffective, in fact, borderline useless, if what we're doing is slamming them over the head constantly about what they should and should not be doing, and shame on you, and rah, 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 rah. Now, again, I understand we are called to biblical discipline. There is no argument about that. But my point is, especially, especially now, during this, this period of incredible uncertainty, where so many people are trying so hard just to find a glimmer of hope. They have no idea what's around the corner. None of us do, but when, when you're already in a spot of, of uncertainty, it's difficult, one, it's difficult to cling to the hope that we already have. It's difficult to keep your eyes focused on the big picture that says, no matter what is going on here, God's got this. And it's not that we forget that, it's that we forget to focus on that, and to internalize that, and to make that part of who we are. And so, we forget sometimes that when we approach somebody, that our first response Always, whether it's in the middle of a pandemic lockdown or not, our first response should always be to encourage one another, not to slap them over the head with, you done wrong. We need to encourage one another and build one another up. I promise you that no matter, no matter the gravity of the situation. In fact, even if you are bringing uh, 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 church discipline upon somebody, you need to start with encouraging them and building them up before you start slapping their nose with a newspaper. Okay, It's going to be far better received, and it's going to get you mentally in a position where instead of coming at them from a point of for lack of a better word, aggression, you're going to be coming at them from a, a position of love, of, of, of caring, of peace, of grace. Because remember, folks, we are, we are brought to forgive the way we have been forgiven. That does not mean to excuse every bad behavior. But it goes right back to the whole idea I mentioned earlier about bringing your own sins to light when you're trying to help somebody else with theirs. When you're pointing at somebody, you've got the three fingers pointed back at you. The point is, none of us are perfect. And so in order for us to be able to to gently admonish somebody, we need to keep that in mind. And we need to present a unified front 
as a church when bringing church discipline. So finally, the last bit of encouragement or, or direction from the Bible that I would like to bring to you comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I know it's a bit long-winded, but the whole point behind this is even when we get to the part about admonishing, you'll notice that teaching comes before that. So remember, folks, unless you're perfect, you need to approach every one of these situations from a position of grace. It will make your message much more easily received and truly, will put you in a better mindset to be able to deliver the message in an appropriate way. All of that having been said, be strong. Stay strong in the faith. And above all, remember, no matter what happens, no matter what's around the corner, God's got this. Let that be your shining light. Remind yourself of that every day. And then go out and be the, the shining light that reminds others of that every day. This has been the Seed Sower, or Sower Seed Pod podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Dean. God bless.